Well, the last half hour, we were talking about uh, British research into the heat wave, the heat dome that settled over uh, BC and parts of Alberta last summer, uh, and just how exceptional it was. One of the most intense heat waves, extreme heat waves seen in decades. One of the, I think it was sixth overall, uh, with records going back to the 1960s. So really an extreme weather event. Uh, Lyle in Kamloops says, uh, the heat dome we experienced in Kamloops last year was brutal. I worked security outside, dressed in a black uniform with long sleeves. I thought I, I was going to die, he says. The heat was so intense that dumping cool water on our heads evaporated in minutes. I remember the heat. It was just exceptional for this part of the world, uh, that heat. We all remember what happened soon after in Lytton because it made headlines around the world, that devastating wildfire uh, that destroyed the community. Well, it's been more than 10 months now since that happened. And I think a lot of people, certainly those of us out from the outside, expected the rebuild to will be well underway by now. But, you know, while there was an announcement in early March, the province announced an additional $18.4 million to cover the cost of debris removal, archaeological work, and soil remediation for municipal properties and properties belonging to the uninsured and underinsured. It looks like for a lot of others, insured homeowners specifically, are still waiting, wondering what's going on with very little movement. And I gather not so much communication from the government either. Uh, so what rebuilding? There isn't much rebuilding, apparently. Well, to get more on this, I'm joined by Jennifer Toss. She's a Litton property owner uh, who's been working for months now to try to get work started on cleaning up uh, property she owns so she can rebuild. And Dr. Rosalind Miles, a member of the Litton First Nation as well. Thank you both for being here tonight. Thank you, Ben. I guess uh, I'll start with you, uh, Jennifer. We've we've spoken to you before. There was some optimism last time we spoke, uh, right around the time of that announcement in early March. Uh, Things were, you had papers in hand and everything looked like it was ready to go. Uh, Where are you at uh, a month and a bit later? Uh, Well, the properties were partially cleared in um, my spring break, so the end of March. Um, About halfway through the debris removal process, about three days into it, um, work was stopped um, because the provider, the, the demolition company I had hired, was scraping the ground too much. I'm still not oh. clear on who halted the debris removal, but um, regardless, the equipment operator got spooked and left, and now I'm having um, some time getting them back. It's a busy time, I guess, for the industry, so I'm in a holding pattern at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for some clarification on things, so... So literally scared away your, the people you had hired to do this work for you. Because you, I remember last time we spoke, you'd waited quite a while to get people onto your property to do start start that clearance. Uh, so it wasn't like you just sort of called them in, they showed up, and then they got booted out. They, this took months and just hours for them to be evicted, Absolutely, so yeah. Yeah, I started the process probably about October, November by contacting them and um, worked it out so that we get the work done in spring break. There was an announcement, I think it was March 8th, there was a press release type of uh, photo opportunity where debris removal commenced, and then I think it was a one-day one day event, and then um, sort of stopped, and I believe I was the next operator on site after the, the sort of, I think there was a couple days that they worked, but as I, I've called a few local residents today in preparation for speaking with you, and it sounds like things kind of are happening in fits and starts. Um, the um, uninsured properties, <laughs> from what I'm told, you can identify them quite quickly because there's been some work done. Um, yeah, so. 
It continues. Uh, Rosalind, if you could share, share, I wasn't entirely familiar with your story. Tell me a bit about, about, about Lytton for you and, and just what's, what you've been trying to get done and how far ahead you are in, in trying to remediate uh, what was lost. Mm, Thank you so much. Um, So I'm calling on, on I'm, um, own property within the village of Lytton and I have a, a little house on 124 Fraser Street that survived the wildfire. Um, okay. The fire wrapped around the house and destroyed um, the rest of the town. Um, and I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones that you would say in a way that my house did not burn down. However, it's not livable because um, there's no water, sewer, or, or hydro downtown. And also, because of the debris close around it, you know, just concerned about the air quality uh, if the water starts working again, like, you know, the water quality, et cetera. So um, there has been major delays um, in the recovery for the village of Lytton. And, and I also have some land up the hill, um, 66 acres, my husband and I own, and a lot of it was destroyed. And so I have, I have major um, concerns going into for safety um, for spring and summer. Right now, as you know, we have a, a big rainstorm happening. And so slope stability is a large concern. And you know, a lot of the burnt trees are still standing. The fuel management hasn't started. Um, it has started for some areas. Um, however, as you know, in the Fraser Canyon up to Merritt, there's a lot of forests that were destroyed. And, and right now, I don't know what the plans are for removing all the burnt trees and replanting. Yeah, we haven't even talked about sort of the impacts of what was left from the fire beyond sort of the rebuilding of the village. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, but clearly the amount of damage that was done to the surrounding area, if a lot of that's still in place, it's still vulnerable, as you've mentioned. Uh, and, and we don't know exactly when that's going to be addressed. Right, no, and there's major concerns right now for the, you know, the community members that whose houses didn't burn down and they're living in their homes. Some people were able to return back to the places. There's only one fire truck for the entire town. So if a wildfire, I should say if, I hate to say this, but every year in Lytton, we do have wildfires. The, um, last year, the first wildfire was in January 2021. And so what is our response going to be like um, when we do have a wildfire? And one of the big, biggest concerns I have right now around the railways is there should be full-time fuel management going around around the year, um, especially with right. the number of ponderosa of pines we have in the area. So safety is a major concern for, for our community right now. It's remarkable. I mean, the fact that your that your house actually in town survived the fire, but oh, but yeah. but you can't you can't go back there, obviously. No, and the house was built in 1925, and it's it's a very uh, kind of old uh, kind of wood, like not nothing fancy. And it survived five fires now. Um, I have no idea why. Um, I do believe um, it was the first house that was hit by um, a water water bomber um, that went through. And, and so I guess by the time they went back to get more water, the, the town was destroyed, you know, within 20 minutes. So um, sadly, you know, we did lose um, community members. And that brings us to concern about making sure that our hydro lines in the future are underground. And the challenge with that is we haven't, we haven't been approached with any funding like from federal partners. And so, you know, as, as people have learned from the paradise uh, wildfire that happened, you, know, you have town-led recovery and then you have partner-led recovery. And, right. you know, there's been so many challenges in both areas um, from federal, provincial, to municipal levels of government. And it's, it's just been really frustrating, I think, for homeowners. And, I, you know, I know of paradise, the homeowners had grants to rebuild, you know, there was a higher standard for fire safety, et cetera. And there hasn't been that opportunity for homeowners in Lytton 
to be provided with grants, you know, with the new expectations to rebuild, um, to try to create a fire smart town. Uh, so there's just been a lot of gaps um, in the support. Rosalind, of course, you're talking about the fire in Paradise, California, the devastating, that incredibly devastating fire a few years back. Um, Jennifer, I mean, we've talked a lot about the bureaucracy here. Has that improved at all? Do, do, you, do you feel like it's moving? I know it's moving in fits and starts, but is it at least moving or is it, do you yeah. feel like you're back? At, yeah. Well, absolutely. Things are moving very, very slowly. Um, we have a recovery committee, we have a re- recovery project manager, a recovery housing project manager, a demolition and building bylaws specialist, site response. Um, but again, I think I mentioned this before, I, it's unfortunate that these folks aren't actually working out of the village of Lytton. There is housing still there. They, you know, the, the teachers, the EAs, the high school is still standing. Those people seem to um, be able to find housing. So I'd like to see these people um, in town is one thing. Um, from a bureaucratic standpoint, I'm very excited that we have two new councillors being sworn in this May 11th. Ross Urquhart and Melissa Michelle are joining the foray, so we'll have some voices at the table. That's encouraging. Um, with the mayor and just two council members, there wasn't a lot of debate. So I'm looking forward to, um, you know, motions having discussion afterwards rather than motion carried, motion carried. So right. that and the October election, of course, will be a big game changer. That's right. Where well, we could see a, a whole new council, I, I gather, um, or at least those who are there replaced. You mentioned earlier that you can tell the uninsured properties from the insured ones. Uh, and that, that always seems a bit odd. I, I know there was money poured in for the uninsured and the underinsured to try to clean up those spaces. But are you saying that people who are who are insured are actually behind in terms of the progress and the cleanup to those who are Yeah. I was speaking with a, a, a community member earlier today who passed on some words from another community member said that I'm never buying insurance ever again <laughs> because <laughs> he's insured and he's waiting for sort of the, the, the word from, I guess, the insurance companies or what have you. And um, it seems very in, uh, counterintuitive that people that are insured are not uh, moving forward, and yet those that um, did, were not insured have, um, in want of better terms, so kind of a free ride. Are you know the properties are being cleared, the soils being tested, the the everything's being remediated, um, and yet those with insurance are running into all these road roadblocks and expenses. Not not to mention time consuming discussions with providers. Yeah, why would that be? Well, I mean, if you if you do you know what's going on? Well, you know the the province. It, it feels to me like there's um, a disconnect between the Insurance Bureau of Canada and sort of the the province. Um, the province has um, come out with you know sort of a statement through EMBC that they have they're not aware of any reason that insurance companies cannot move forward. Whereas, you know, the insurance companies are saying uh, this company or this work cannot be rushed. Ron DePrius mm-hmm. from um, the Insurance Bureau of Canada, which at month right. 10, you know, this came out last week, is um, disheartening to say the least. And another thing he said, which I found very disheartening from the Insurance Bureau of Canada was there's not a lot of this is um, quoted. Uh, geez, where did I get it from? I think it was from Global um, right. uh, that uh there are not a lot, quote unquote, there is not a lot of other communities across Canada where we've come across an archaeological component. Um, right. That statement to me is ludicrous. I, you know, I can think of 10 off the top of my head in the Delta area here where I'm living. So 
I don't really know. It just seems like a lot of smoke on mirrors, a lot of um, scapegoating, you know, the, the, the mayor coming out saying that um, work was stopped in November in a recent um, interview. And it, it's kind of um, a little bit of a joke because no work had commenced in November. So there was nothing to stop. Um, yeah. Interesting. I'm speaking with Jennifer Toss, a Lytton property owner, and Dr. Relson Miles, also a Lytton property owner, both a property and a house that actually survived the fire, but that she can't move back in to because of other reasons there's just not uh, it's not livable for the time being uh, after this we'll talk a bit about about how this can be fixed i mean we're coming up on the one-year anniversary i'm assuming people want to see some progress by then and we'll get to that right after this We've been talking about the rebuild in Lytton or lack thereof in this half hour. It's been more than 10 months. We are approaching the one-year anniversary. I think you both know. I'm speaking with Jennifer Toss and Rosalind Miles, both uh, who are property owners in Lytton. I think we both know the one-year anniversary is going to be a big event. People are going to cast a very bright light on the progress. Where do you think we're going to be in uh, a little under two months' time? Is this going to turn into a bit of a scandal by the time uh, everyone's eyes turn back there in a few months' time? Jennifer, Jeez. I suppose. That's a, that's <laughs> a tough that. one. <laughs> yeah. um, I, you know, based on what's been going on for the last 10 months, um, you know, and like you mentioned, I was fairly hopeful in our last discussion. I feel like um, a, a bit exhausted and continuously disappointed. It's very, very hard to be positive. Um, you know, the mayor came out saying hydro was going to take nine more months. I, I really don't know. It, it, it's, it's, Mind-boggling, really. I, there's, how can it possibly take nine months to replace hydro pools back to where they were? Like we were having a, you know, a, a discussion again with the, another local. It's like I can show them where the pools are. They managed to get 30 kilometers of hydro pools back up Batani Valley, which was um, adjacent to Lytton, is adjacent to Lytton, and was burnt in the fire within a couple months. Yet we can't do seven streets by two streets in nine months, where we know where the pools are and just replacing it it um it rings a bit hollow when you can rebuild a highway or um for that matter get the trains running within you know a week or two of the fire the the fire was barely out when we had cn there fixing the tracks so i'd like to see that um level of efficiency applied to uh processes for the village of Lytton for sure Rosalind, how about you well, I, I think there's just really needs to be some major urgency from the partners. I think there's been too much um, finger pointing at the town-led recovery part. I think that the federal, provincial, municipal government need to come together and get, have some plans with people that can help with the rebuild. You know, whether it's you know Red Cross or Good Samaritans or other, you know, BC Housing, CMHC, etc. Bringing in other partners to help lead in the recovery. Uh, you know, I have also major concerns right now with the archaeological um, challenges. It, it, as a Lytton First Nation member, archaeology is extremely important. You know, we do want to preserve our heritage. We do want to uncover any artifacts and, and um, you know, the art belongings of the Islamic people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, however, this can be done in a good way. And I think that one of the flaws was that there should have been a request for proposals um, so that the process was competitive, so the prices weren't going higher and higher. So I think that's um, a major problem. Um, you know, all government contracts typically go out for proposals, so I highly recommend that. The other, um, we had a picnic last month in Lytton at, at Kamshin, and it was sponsored by um, a local church. And um, so one of the things that I was, you know, just seeing the people who came who came to Lytton to retire, 
seeing people who've always lived in Lytton, you know, for their entire lives and the sadness that they had because, you know, we don't have uh, you know, grocery stores right there. You know, the schools have been off and on. You know, we had the mudslides as well, accessibility, um, especially in the wintertime was such a big, you know, it was a very dangerous time to travel. Um, so right, there really needs to be some more urgency um, around the people that really need help right now. And um, it's, it's almost like you throw your hands up and you can, oh, well, like, you know, it's, um, it's, just, it's, really, it's really challenging. And I'm not too sure why it hasn't, um, things haven't escalated. Rosalind Miles, Jennifer Toss, thank you so much for an update. Certainly uh, by the time we speak about this again uh, in less than two months, I'm hoping we see uh, a bit more progress there. But uh, in the meantime, I wish you both uh, the best of luck with, uh, with seeing some of this, uh, some of what you hope happens, happen. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much.